Hello, welcome to Talks at Brickstone, your one-stop podcast for research, insights and interviews on thought leadership issues relating to Africa's infrastructure, built environment and natural environment. I'm your host, Femi Aufala. Hello, this edition will take us through some important events that are happening in the world today. We all know about the issue of coronavirus and we have about 230,000 cases now. Um, there have been about 9,000 deaths. Uh, we have over 2,006, so about 26,000 people have recovered. And it's clear that, you know, this has had a global impact on the whole world. Um, even businesses today are shutting down. Um, government have given, you know, restrictions on movements. Um, airlines are not flying every route and things like that. And it's really clear to us that, you know, um, this is going to have a clear impact on businesses. And the recent outbreak of coronavirus have also developed from a local to a global threat, even with tragic losses that have overshadowed contemplations of its economic, economic impact. And our view is that they are, most businesses are, are, are based on contractual obligations and it's clear to us at this point that definitely if this thing gets a lot more worse from today, um, contracts will start being frustrated and key issues of disputes you know, will come in in terms of frustration of contracts. And we believe that you know, this scenario, like the one we are witnessing, now brings to the concept of force measure and which is basically an important mechanism to excuse a party's non-performance or justify termination of a contract. The question is, what does coronavirus constitute or does coronavirus constitute a force majeure? On this episode, we'll be talking on issues related to contractual performance um, of contracts um, in light of coronavirus outbreak. And this outbreak of coronavirus has developed from a local to a global threat. And this disease is likely to have a profound impact on businesses and their underlying contractual relationships and has been highlighted frequently that scenarios like this one we are currently witnessing brings to the concept of force majeure into play. And this is a vital mechanism where one party can excuse the other parties, its parties, its non-performance or justify the termination of a contract. And the question is, does coronavirus constitute a force measure? I have here with me Mr. Obafemi Oluwayemi. He's the founding partner of Axiom Solicitors. He has over 20 years experience in advising clients, mostly investment bankers, in diverse transactions related to project finance, corporate finance, fund structuring, and general commercial transactions. He's worked with a number of top-rated law firms and infrastructure players in Nigeria, and he currently sits with me here to discuss this issue. So, Obafemi, please introduce yourself and give us, you know, what your own view of this outbreak is generally, you know, before going to the contractual performance issue with, with, with respect to coronavirus. Yeah, thank you very much, Obafemi. Um, my name is Obafemi Oluwayemi. I'm the founder partner of Axiom Solicitors. It's a boutique law firm that specializes in uh, commercial transactions 
especially corporate finance, project finance, and tax advisory works on behalf of investment banking clients. So, Wafemi, regarding this issue of contractual performance, um, yeah. what is this evolution of or concept of you know force majeure, and what's what's your own view? And you know, can you give our audience you know a clear understanding of how it impacts their businesses and you know also in a situation where a client or does not have a force majeure provision in his contracts, you know, what happens in that situation? Thank you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> basically, the force majeure provisions are those provisions in the contract that tend to ex- excuse the non-performance of a party's obligations due to the occurrence of certain defined events which are typically called force major events now uh, the general principle in law is that once you sign off on a contract the contract is supposed to be performed all the parties are bound to perform the obligations they have undertaken under the contract okay now but over time, we discover that there could be supervening events that will occur and pre- that which is capable of uh, affecting your ability to perform those obligations. Now, the parties can agree beforehand at the time of signing the contract to recognize what those events are and what impact such events we have on the contract. That is basically the concept of force major. Okay, thank you so much. And and um, these clauses you mentioned, and uh, in itself, you know. So what happens when um, there is no force major provision in the contract itself? Okay. Now, when there is no pro- force major provision in the contract, then the basic provision of law will govern the relationships between the parties upon the occurrence of. An event which prevents one party from from performing. And now, uh, like I said earlier on, there is this principle in common law, which is principles of absolute contract. Once you sign off on a contract, you are bound to perform. Now, but the law also recognizes the fact that there are certain events which could happen and frustrate the ability of a party to perform, and that is called frustration, the doctrine of frustration under the common law. Now, why people don't always like to resort to that, you know, and why they tend to to, to create force major provision is because of the deficiency in relying on the concept of frustration mm-hmm. under the under the common law. Mm-hmm. Now, when you rely on, when there is no force major provision, okay, yeah, it means you can only invoke the principle of frustration. And what does that principle tell us is that the event, the event that um, that we that we cause the contract uh, that we cause a party to be to be to be uh, to be excused from performance excused, yes, is must be a frustrating event. Okay. And the, and to determine what is frustrating, it means that if the the event results in uh, the contract being physically or commercially impossible to perform. Okay, but how do you argue that with your with your clients and and with your counterparts? Because so we we both 
know that coronavirus has led to you know a number of nations cancelling flights a number of um uh restrictions of movement you know everybody should stay at home and work online and things like that but in that situation what are the two important tests that you know that are significant for uh want to to understand you know that this contract is being frustrated and how do you how do you define that so to say okay i think maybe maybe uh what you want to uh, figure out here is uh, when a doc when a, when a party invokes frustration, yeah. How do they go about invoking it? Correct. Uh, what can you do to make that plea of frustration to be successful? Correct. Uh, and then what are the consequences? Correct. You know, and see how it dovetails into force majeure. Now, the test for frustration is very very strict. Okay. You know, that event must have made performance to be physically and commercially impossible, the performance of contract. Okay. And that is a pretty high standard mm. Mm. to attain, to prove. Okay. So that means that when you don't have the first major provision, your chances of, of uh, 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 excusing non-performance will be very remote, especially for the party that is affected by it. Okay. Now, the second challenge with frustration is in terms of consequences okay when it is successfully pleaded it typically leads to the uh to the discharge of the contract that is the contract is terminated by operation of law okay yeah okay. now those two those two issues you know they in many cases of commercial transactions will not be suitable for, for both parties. Okay. Now, in order for you not to leave your faith to law, yeah, then you came up with this idea of force majeure, which is some, which is a concept that was introduced from civil law jurisdiction. Okay. You know, that is the oh, there is the civil law uh, uh, system mechanism of dealing with events that happen after a contract that is able to. Uh, uh, I mean, that is able to frustrate the contract. Okay. So, the concept of force majeure, including the contract, enables you, gives you that flexibility to yeah. be able to determine what events will constitute it. Okay. So, that issue of strict proof, okay. you know, has been reduced. Okay. And then, the uh, uh, you can determine beforehand what the consequences will be. Okay. Now, so, 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 let's delve into the, into the issue of force majeure itself. Yeah. So, how is this event? How is this? How is this provided for in a contract? You know. So, um, what should these provisions be? And what? Um, I mean, most of us who are listening to this podcast are entrepreneurs, and you know, they just rely on their lawyers to draft, you know, contracts for them, whatever commercial contracts they are in. And um, what? Um, what should they, in case they've even gotten a. A, a, a lawyer to do something for them. What should they look out for in finding out that okay, this force major provision has been properly provided for? Yeah. There are three key things to look for in the, in the force major provision. Okay. The number one thing is the event that constitutes the force major. Okay. Typically, that will be contained in the definition of force major events. So, like this coronavirus now, I'm sure. Uh, as a pandemic, I mean, yes, epidemic yeah. or pandemic itself, they, I'm sure it must not have 
the number of contracts we have in the world today may not have you know provided for this you know they may not have seen this coming they may have seen wars they may have seen earthquakes or other natural disasters so to say but a disease you know in itself i mean but i mean some might have for, done a bit of like forecasting and seeing that okay disease can also form this but i agree with you the event itself must be defined must be, must be well must defined, defined. Okay, and there are a range of events that can that can come within that okay. depending on what the parties uh, uh what is uh, what the parties intend to cover and you also know that the first major provision is a is a risk management mechanism mm. so you look you structure it around the the the, the type of risk that could be that the, 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 the that could affect your project yeah so i mean all that will frustrate it so the events will be well defined yeah mm-hmm. then secondly there will be provisions in the first major uh that talks about the notification process okay yeah that is basically it's really around the party affected notifying the the other party that xyz event has occurred i mean so many times i've heard in the newspapers where shell um will put in the paper that the client force measure maybe the pipeline has been vandalized Mm. or somebody has been you know a major uh kidnap happened or something And they are not able to perform on the contract at that yes. point in time. Yeah. So that notification is key. It's key. What's the third and issue? And then the third issue that it must cover is the consequence. Mm. What happens when that event happens? When the two of us, the two parties to the contract, agree that an event of force majeure has occurred, yeah. Then the next thing is that what are the consequences? Wow, in some situations, in some situations, it may say, okay, let's sit down and. And, 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 and yeah, talk so, about so, it. So it could lead to a delay. A so delay. They, they could be forgiven that okay, don't pay any liquidated damages for this delay period. Yeah, for this delay. So yeah. It could lead to them not being able to um time or duration, or it could even lead to an increase in price or an escalation of price, which is also a different case in itself. But whatever the issue is, what you are saying is that there must be a, a clear cons- provision a clear on provision the consequence, consequences. What okay. follows thereafter. And sometimes it may lead to termination of the contract. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It may lead to termination in situation where the first major event is prolonged. Okay. They may make provision for termination. So who loses? So when you... I, need, I don't want to go into that, but you can just share more light on. So maybe I've invested... And so in, in every termination, one party actually is not that happy you know that we couldn't finish the contract and it starts with terminated yeah, yeah. or are you saying that um, the termination might be in the best interest of even both parties um yes it may be it may, it may be the best solution in this in this situation okay yeah and uh you also remember that uh, that uh, in case of terminations there will also be some consequences Correct. That flow from determination. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, now, so the other part here is 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 also us looking at. Let's even assume we've now provided for in we've now made provisions for regarding, um, you know, force majeure in itself, and and th- there's still disputes. So you know, in Africa, in Nigeria today, you know, everybody's you know is 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 on high let me use the word is has high tempered you know and um at any point in time you know finances have been committed and things 
But could there still be disputes to say, yes, we've defined it in the contract, yes, we've made provisions for it, but I don't agree with you, or or I as the receiving party says that no, this is not a classic force majeure event. So what are the what are the issues or considerations for those kind of situations? Or why why would those situations arise in the first place? Okay, like any uh force majeure provisions, like other contractual provisions, mm-hmm. they are capable of being disputed. Okay. Yeah, everything boils down to the language, how it is couched the type of event that occurs. So in a typical first major scenario, now, there could be dispute about the event that happened, whether it comes within that definition of okay. first major events. But you can't, you see, you, we, we are not God for us yeah. to be able to define all the events in the world. So sure. how do you now ensure that that event, you know, uh, nobody saw this coronavirus coming, as I said again, yeah. you know, how do you now put it in a form that we've captured all events. That's one of the limitations that we have as human beings. There is this, <laughs> there is this, there is this theory. I mean, I mean, the economics, the economists recognize it clearly. The theory of incomplete contract. No matter how well drafted an agreement is, there is no way you can anticipate all the events that we that we happen. Correct. You know? Yeah. And uh, if you can't anticipate all those events, there is no way you will be able to provide for all those events. Yeah. 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 Now, and when you are also dealing with project agreements, you are dealing typically with a long-term contract. Yes. The more we have to project into the future, the less accurate our projections are likely to be. So that means that we may not be able to capture these all those events as accurately as possible. Yeah. But the reality also is that over time, there are certain standard provisions, standard events that Mm -hmm. typically form part of first major event. Okay. So, and when you want to define your first major event, there are two approaches that you can use. Okay. You may define it in general terms. Say, for example, a first major event will include anything that is beyond the party's control. That is general. Correct. Yeah. And when the event happens, you now begin to prove, to show whether this, the occurrence of this event is beyond my control. Correct. You know, the party that is pleading force major. Yeah. Right. Now, another approach. So, is it the party that is pleading force major that you that have to say that, control. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because we are talking about his control. Okay. Now, the, the, the alternative approach, yeah, is to identify certain specific events. You know, the first approach is to use a general provision. Yeah. Yeah. The other approach is to say, to list out those specific events. Events, yeah. You know. So, the moment the event occurs, you bring it in, you say, this is force major. Correct. Now, there are pros and cons okay. to approaching those two methods. So, 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 for example, if you are doing things like pipeline, oil and gas, you've already known that people can come and vandalize your equipment, area boys, yeah. so those are the kind of things you can, you can, what, you can anticipate is, very well. Yes, you can in anticipate that, very well. Especially in the jurisdiction where such events are, are happening uh, frequently. Yeah. Or there are wars in that country, like, sure. you know, kidnapping and things like that. Mm-hmm. But when you are now listing the events specifically, the more you list these events, uh, don't you feel that the the receiving party who is meant to receive the performance will feel that you know they are, this thing is getting too wide? You know that means every single thing is first major. Is there no balance between? You know, it's not every event we are going to list, but there's some that should be in your control. Yes. Okay. Typically, there will be a general provision. 
you know, that we tend to limit some of those things. We say when the event is beyond your control. Okay. Yeah. And such events include, not set it out. Correct. You know, certain specifics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, um, typically people use that kind of approach. And when you're talking about the negotiation of force majeure provisions, you see, um, some lawyers tend to make the mistake that because force majeure provisions are, uh, um, they are boilerplate Correct. provisions in a contract. Yeah. You know, they don't look at it in terms of reviewing it or they don't pay much attention uh, attention to it. Yeah. I mean, and that is a significant error. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are a lot of negotiations that can take place, you know, in, in uh, within the provisions of force majeure. Yeah. Yeah. In a contract. A lot of back and forth can take place. So we are talking about the two approaches. So the first approach is the general one, yeah. while the other approach is to list out the specific, specific events. Yes. Okay. So irrespective of the approach taken, you know, um, I know the clause will generally specify the extent to which the event must have impacted performance yeah. in order to qualify for for force measure. So who is the judge? Who is the arbiter in this process? Who, or is it just a bilateral negotiation to say? Okay, I mean, I'm, uh, let's pick a contractor and a client or an employer. Yeah. No, now the extent to which it, that it has happened is one thing. It's happening in China. It's happening. It has happened in Nigeria too, as as coronavirus. But has it affected your operations mm. to deliver my house or this building you're building? Who, how, how is who that? Determines that? That who determines that? Is it just like okay, let's sit down. Let's negotiate, let's discuss. And I know, you know, the 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 performer of the contract, the, the contractor himself, I, I know the kind of proposition he will want to protest for that, you know, you know, I can't continue this thing now and things. And he may he might have reasonable, you know, excuse for it. So just explain to that, explain to us in that regard, how, how is that process determined? Now, well, basically it's uh, it goes like this. An event occurs. Okay. The party who is supposed to perform sees it as a force major event. Yes. He looks at the definition and then looks at the event and looks at his the impact, impact. on his own performance. Yeah. His own yeah. And says, I'm declaring force major. Okay. Now all that happens based on his perception, the party's okay. perception of the event and his understanding of the contractual provisions. Okay. Yeah. Now you pick up your your materials and you notify the other party. The other party looks at the event and says that no, I don't think a force major event has happened. Whenever that is that occurs, mm -hmm. there is a disagreement as that there is a dispute. Okay. And that triggers the dispute resolution mechanism within the contract. Exactly. Yeah. So wow. it may be arbitration, it may be okay, let's first of all do mediation and what have you. Okay. You know, before going to arbitration, or you just go straight to court. Wow. So, I mean, so I'm sure a number of these issues now, us seeing this whole pandemic on coronavirus and things, I mean, um, a number of corporates will start looking at performance and looking at the contracts they actually oh, entered, you mm -hmm. know, and start making, you know, um, key is it decisions to, you want to call it now or because as you, as you also know, you know, going through that arbitration process, Going to that process of um, or, or dispute, so to say, and all agreeing, also creates further delays at the end of the day. You know, mm -hmm. so 
in the spirit of of I mean it's a it's a decision for either parties to decide whether this constitutes force majeure or not. And um, what now happens when they now go into a dispute and they now have to decide that? Does that mean that um, one party has made a mistaken assertion to say that you know what? Um, yes, I believe it's force majeure. You don't believe it's force majeure. Okay, let's go and so. What will be the court's thinking in making the decision in that process? Then? Basically, the court look as, looks at the, at the at the contract between the parties. You know, the force majeure is a creation of the parties. The parties determine the events, and the okay. parties also determine the consequences okay. that flow from it. Okay. That is the key reason why it is different from uh, from frustration, frustration. The common law doctrine of frustration. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's the key reason why it's different. Yeah. Uh, Nigeria is a common law jurisdiction. Correct. So, without force majeure, we go back to common law. Mm. Now. Um, when the court is saddled with the responsibility of determining who is correct between the parties, the court basically has to look at the contract to interpret the contract, the language used, the the background issues, you know, okay, the background against which the contract was negotiated, mm-hmm. and all that. We, we, we determine how the, how the court is going to interpret that contract, okay. you know, the provision of the force majeure, and to determine whether uh, the, the, the force majeure provisions have been rightly involved or not. Okay. Okay. So, um, looking at that, um, on the, on the, let me say, final or concluding you know, note in itself is that. Um, before making a decision to 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 invoke a a, a force majeure notification in itself, um, companies need to sit down with their lawyers. They need to look at the contract clearly. Absolutely. They need to be clear that yes, this is going to happen. Even if possible, get you know independent opinion, independent counsel. Absolutely. And so that at least your board members or your shareholders. We know that you are not just going to this liti- to this process because you are spending their money on litigation mm-hmm. and wasting their time when you know that this is not you know the right thing to do. So maybe we should I just think, sh- go ahead. I think that the importance of doing that of seeking counsel is underscored by the fact that if ultimately it is determined that the first major provision has been wrongly invoked, mm-hmm. then the party wrongly invoking it will be liable for breach of contract. And you know, when we talk about massive projects, yeah. the damages also could be huge. Wow. So you will be saving yourself a lot of, a lot of headache, yeah. both financially and in terms of reputation. Mm-hmm. If you seek counsel first, mm-hmm. you know, it makes more financial sense yeah. to seek counsel first because the cost of paying your lawyer, you know, to give you that opinion, you know, mm-hmm. about the desirability or otherwise. You know, or legality or otherwise of invoking that provision, mm-hmm. you know, will be far less than when you wrongly invoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also important that you can claim force major when you have the right to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, the, 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 the other part that is also important here is um, with respect to, let me say, project contracts or or general construction contract, let me put it that way. It's, uh, why um, there's, a, there's an issue related to force majeure itself, 
and the contractor, you know, at that point in time, sees this as a a window of even getting out of the contract because maybe the contract is not even um, let me use the word profitable, so to say. Would would implications of force majeure? Uh, let's say it leads to a process of extended delay. But would there be an ax? Would would there would it be advisable to also or lump the increase in the contract price being an economic force majeure or some kind of a force majeure that you know what the price has got out of hands because of this pandemic and because of this implications on the crude oil price, the exchange rates and things, you know, so that contractors know exactly where they can lay their claim to continue to perform, you know, mm-hmm. or not. I, I think uh, conceptually, it may, that may not be, first, a, a first major provision may not be the right solution in that situation, you know, okay. when you are talking about price installation. Okay. Yeah. For construction contracts, they typically have provisions for price installation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, when it happens, you know, there are provisions in the contract. Take, for example, they may adjust some of the provision of the contract to accommodate that. Okay. You know, or to push the, the cost to someone. You okay. may say that, for example, if the cost goes beyond certain level, yeah, certain like percentage. Say, say price yeah. of cement or something, yeah. price of steel. You know, one of the parties will be buying it, it will be somewhere. Okay. So, they already have a system to control that to control that event, to control the consequences. Okay. So, conceptually, it doesn't usually uh, uh, form part of the definition okay. of the force majeure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Mr. Abafemi, for you know your great explanation and your implications of this and and i don't know if you have a final word you know what, what would you advise entrepreneurs who are in the process now maybe negotiating contracts that you know requires performance on their own behalf um because of the experience of this coronavirus you know um what kind of uh, um, diligence should they now take in entering third-party contracts based on the fact that it could lead to, you know, other implications, you know, relating to their performance in itself. Yeah, I, I think um, one important um, advice I would like to give to entrepreneurs is to seek expert counsel. Okay. You know, at every time they want to enter into contracts of this nature. Okay. Number one is that because we are dealing with projects, the longer the time the project covers, I mean, in terms of execution and performance, you know, let's say 30 year contract, mm-hmm. the longer the time, the higher the risk. Yeah, like, 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 like concession agreements. Like concession agreements. They are long term. Yeah, they are long term contracts. They are usually very risky. Now, don't go about assuming that events will always remain constant. Mm. The people that came up with all this creativity, you know, force major provision in contracts, you know, and all and all, and many other risk management mechanisms and contracts. Mm-hmm. You know, they have been taught by experience. Mm. Now, for us now today, yeah, many people who didn't have the experience before, they are now having the experience through the coronavirus yeah. uh, pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just spring up beyond the contemplation of the parties. Mm. 
and that is the reason why you don't leave your 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 contract you know you don't leave it to 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 guess what to say uh we have we had one template there let's just pick it up you yeah, need expert guidance yeah, yeah. contracts that are tailored specifically to addressing your risk exposures correct in the transaction okay um thank you very much i mean we would basically continue this um discussion around force measure in other subsequent series um due to this outbreak and we'll start you know dimensioning this you know you know using that different sectors even for financial um services for people in the fundraising space and things and seeing how they can get remedy in itself um i would like to thank you once again for your time and welcome you know, speaking to us and speaking to us on the uh, podcast series talks at Brickstone and I would like to say you know a big thank you once again. Mm-hmm.